Good afternoon, and welcome to the Middle East Forum's webinar and podcast series, Israel Insider with Ashley Perry. I'm Stacey Roman, and I will be moderating this discussion today. We are pleased to have Mr. Ashley Perry, advisor to the Middle East Forum's Israel office, join us here each Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern to update us on all the events going on in Israel. Mr. Perry will be giving us a briefing on current Israeli affairs for 15 minutes, then open it up for questions. Should you wish to ask a question, please use the Q&A box located at the bottom of your, bottom of your screen to type your question. Now, with no further ado, I'll turn the discussion over to Mr. Ashley Perry. Thank you very much, Stacey. Good evening from Israel. Um, well, we had a bit of a bombshell tonight, not uh, entirely unexpected, and we talked about that last week, and I said how it was increasingly likely, uh, but uh, Prime Minister Naftali Bennett, at least for another 24 hours or so, 26 hours, let's say, um, has decided that he will not run in the upcoming elections. He did hint that this is not the end of him uh, politically. He's relatively young, I believe 50 years old. So I am certain that he'll be back. Um, I talked about it last week and I talked about it with a number of people um, throughout Israeli politics that, uh, that certainly it's the best decision for him. Um, it's very hard at the moment, after only a year of being prime minister, to look at successes. He was, you know, really browbeaten uh, by the opposition into uh, supporting the end of the tenure, uh, supporting the dispersal of uh, the current Knesset. Um, and usually in these types of things, usually uh, in, the, in the future, people will look back on it far more fondly than they do at the moment. And I think the time will be right. Uh, at some point in the relatively near future that Natalie Bennett will make a comeback. I think people will look at some of the achievements um, in a less harsh light, let's say. Um, and, um, and I think uh, he'll be able to make something of a comeback. I, I don't think he'll necessarily come back to the, uh, the position that he holds uh, at this point, the prime ministership, one never knows. And uh, there's lots of things that can happen, but certainly at this point in time, he's made the best decision, I believe, politically, strategically. Uh, I think he probably himself uh, feels that he needs a break. I'm sure his family do. Um, so it's clear that he will not be running. Now, what does that mean? That is, uh, that does shake things up significantly. Uh, it's already clear that uh, his longstanding partner, uh, number two, sometimes in the past was even number one, uh, is Ayelet Shaked, the Minister of Interior. She was, up until a couple of years ago, until, until all these sort of uh, elections, she was the rising star of Israeli politics. People are talking about her as a future prime minister, uh, possible leader of the Likud, certainly in a, in a post-Netanyahu scenario. Uh, but certainly her star has fallen over the last couple of years. And over the last year, she has taken very much a backseat. She probably was even less comfortable in this coalition than Naftali Bennett was. She's more of a politician than Bennett. She's more looks to the future. She felt probably less comfortable. She uh, didn't come out uh, as often uh, as obviously the prime minister had to. Um, so I think that um, she won't she'll be tainted a little bit by, well, quite a lot um, by, by this government, but not as much as if Bennett was uh, running Yamina. Um, but what is most significant, I think, tonight is that this has certainly been a very good uh, moment for um, former prime minister and leader of the opposition, Benjamin Netanyahu, because what this does is uh, uh, Naftali Bennett, I think, would have found it very difficult, not impossible, very difficult 
to have sat to sit uh, with uh, Netanyahu after the uh, next elections. Again, not impossible, but he said he wouldn't sit with him. But uh, as we know, uh, as Netanyahu himself has said, uh, Bennett said all sorts of things we wouldn't sit with. Uh, and in the end, he ended up sitting with him. But Ayelet Sheket has never made such statements. And in fact, has said repeatedly, especially in the last few days or few weeks, that she would conceivably sit under Netanyahu. And uh, certainly she would be feel more, far more comfortable. I don't see uh, Sheked would have done what uh, Bennett did. And I think that it's very likely um, that she would sit under Netanyahu. So this whole tabulation for the last year between government and opposition and whether opposition, which as we've spoke about, is rising steadily towards that hallowed 61, hasn't reached it. And, you know, there were polls of anything from 57 to 60, depending who passed the electoral threshold. Uh, now the numbers are far more attractive to Netanyahu because I think he can not 100%, but can rely on whatever Ayelet Sheked brings, if she brings, according to a, a snap poll, which they did this evening after it's clear that uh, Bennett decided not to run, uh, it, it shows that Sheked would get five seats. And Sheked was obviously pleased enough with that, that she uh, tweeted it and said, we're on our way. Uh, so those five seats are now uh, really up for grabs. Uh, it's unlikely, uh, I would say it's far more likely that those five seats, if indeed it becomes five seats after the elections or whatever it may be, four to whatever happens, um, is probably more likely to be in the Netanyahu column. It won't be easy negotiations because she'll make the point that she can sit uh, with the other side. Um, but certainly, um, but certainly uh, Netanyahu will feel far more confident about making his 61 or more uh, with Ayel Shaket uh, now leading the Yamina party. What happens with the rest of the Yamina party is also uh, now thrown into doubt because it's a party without members. We've seen Shikli, uh, Mikhail Shikli, get thrown out of the party, you know, after he refused to go to the government even for, even for one day. We've seen Edith Selman leave. Uh, we've seen Neil Orbach uh, travel across the aisle. So they're probably, uh, the two of them are going to be Likud and Mikhail Shikli, as he was uh, designated as a deserter to the party, will not be able to run with an existing party. That means he will not be able to return to Yamina or run with the Likud. Um, and I think that's something that also favours Netanyahu, although that's uh, less relevant now that Bennett is not going to run. Uh, other people in the party, Matan Kahana, the current Minister of Religious Affairs, who is very loyal to Bennett and is less, let's say, close to Ayelet Sheked and certainly is someone who, who would prefer, uh, let's say, some of the parties on the more liberal side than some of the more ultra-conservative uh, on the right, uh, it's, it's suggested that he may well run with Benny Gantz. Uh, there's Kara, who it's been suggested may well run with uh, Yisrael Beiteno. Uh, Shirley Pinto, the other member of Knesset at the moment, it's uh, not sure what happened with her. So what, what does seem clear is Ayelet Shaked pretty much will have a, a blank slate. Uh, and whether she can fill it with names, with people that will attract or re-attract people to Yamina is, uh, is an open question. What is also interesting is, again, according to most of the polls, uh, they didn't do a deep dive in tonight's uh, SNAP uh, uh, poll, but uh, up until that moment, it seemed that most of Yamina voters or voters who, uh, those who said that they would vote if elections were held today are people more on the center, center left, people who certainly 
would not be happy sitting uh, in a BB-led uh, coalition. So the question is, can Shaked keep that? To keep them? Does she want to keep them? Does she want to use them as a base and try and attract more? Or will she just go straight back and say, I'm now, we're now a right-wing party. We will sit with Netanyahu. We will sit with Smartrich. We will sit with the ultra-Orthodox. And then she'll pretty much have to start again to try and uh, build a base. Uh, those are decisions for her and her strategists uh, in the days ahead. And I think a lot will depend on what uh, figures she's able to attract to Yamina, because sometimes that can create quite a lot of buzz. Um, so it's daunting on the one hand, but it's also for her, she can really build a party. She can step finally out of the shadows, uh, from the shadows of Natalie Bennett uh, and really build a party in her own image. And don't forget, she, she was always an outlier to a certain extent in a religious Zionist party when she herself uh, is secular. So uh, it will be uh, certainly interesting to see what happens. In the Knesset, um, at the moment, we're still waiting for that final second and third readings, which uh, take, um, take place one after the other. We're waiting for that dispersal of Knesset law to pass. Um, now, uh, many of the MKs have been told to go home, but those, that vote will only take place at eight o'clock in the morning when it was expected to happen uh, during uh, yes, uh, today or even some thought yesterday. Why was it delayed? Well, usually when the dispersal of Knesset law is uh, it's on its way, uh, there's usually some sort of negotiation between the coalition opposition, which laws will try and hurry through before the dispersal of Knesset, because as soon as that passes its third reading, the Knesset immediately dissolves and no more laws can be passed. There's a lot of laws which are waiting for its final readings, um, which uh, have been subject to uh, debate. The most important ones that are on the agenda are what's been called the Metro Law, which is something pushed very strongly by Transportation Minister Meav Michaeli, which is to create the bureaucratic infrastructure to create uh, a very large um, metro underground system, which will uh, encompass pretty much uh, the whole central area where around 80% of Israelis live. Uh, anyone who's been to Tel Aviv and its environs re recently will have seen the crazy traffic. Um, one of the ways to solve it is to build this underground system. Now, it's something that's been in the works for a while. This law is important because it allows uh, for a lot of the bureaucratic obstacles to, to be uh, pushed aside and it will uh, come down a lot cheaper, save the country billions of shekels. Well, at the moment, the opposition doesn't want to give Michaeli, what doesn't want to give the government uh, that achievement. Uh, the other law, which, uh, which they're trying to push uh, through, is a, a law, actually, ironically, of Ayelet Shaked's which is to also to create the infrastructure to allow Israel to enter the visa waiver, the US visa waiver program. At the moment, Israel is one of those countries that have to apply for a visa to travel to the US. Um, but there is a visa waiver system, which uh, uh, the UK, Europe and others, meaning their citizens can travel to the, uh, the US without uh, applying for a visa, is something that Israel has, has tried to do for a long time. Uh, the US has put certain stipulations, as it does for all countries in the program. Uh, they have to share certain information about its citizens, et cetera, et cetera. And it's something the Elit Shaked prepared and they wanted to pass through. It got to a point where the ambassador of the US, which is certainly uh, a unique event that a foreign ambassador gets involved in domestic politics, but obviously this is something very relevant, actually wrote an open letter to all the members uh, of Knesset saying, this is something we really want to do. Please don't let it uh, come down to politics. 
Um, I would assume that the reason that the ambassador got involved so vocally and publicly is because it's probably something that uh, President Biden would like to uh, mention or, or publicly declare while he uh, is in Israel in a couple of weeks. So uh, those two laws are basically being held up by the opposition and even members of the coalition. Uh, Yisrael Beteinu's leader, Avidor Liebman, uh, basically so enraged by the fact that the Metro law was not putting the column of those laws that there was an agreement by both the opposition and coalition that he put up uh, a number of um, sort of appeals because uh, every law you can put up an appeal. Sometimes, you know, a filibuster, you can put up thousands. The joint Arab list put up, uh, uh, I believe, 10,000 uh, detailed, or maybe in the end, not so detailed, but appeals to the um, dispersal of Knesset law. Their reasoning was to try and delay the dispersal of Knesset till after Thursday midnight. And as we know, uh, that would be the 1st of July. And the law governing Israeli citizens over the Green Line in Judea and Samaria, the West Bank, will expire. And that creates a very complicated and complex legal system because those Israelis who live over the Green Line will no longer be treated as equal citizens of the state of Israel as far as everything. And it's a debate whether a minister of Vitor Lehman, who lives over the Green Line, or a member of Knesset, Betalo Smotrich, who lives over the Green Line, will be able to serve in their positions. And many, many, many other complications with security prisoners, Palestinian security prisoners will no longer be under the jurisdiction of Israel. It's, it, it creates a very complicated system. The Arab joint list obviously want to embarrass uh, the state of Israel. Um, but at the moment, those particular uh, uh, issues are being dealt with. But uh, Israel Beteno and others are trying to uh, uh, trying to push through the metro law, um, but we'll have to see what happens uh, with that. On the other side, what do the opposition want? The opposition really are making sure that the coalition doesn't get as many achievements, even if they're important for the country. But also uh, something that's very important to them is the date of the election. Now that's something usually haggled uh, and agreed between the two groups, uh, depending on what cards each have to play. The uh, coalition wants it to be later, as late as possible. Uh, the suggestions are simply to give Yale Pitt as much time in the prime minister's office as possible. And they're looking at uh, the 11th of uh, November, um, but the uh, opposition want October the 25th and they are pushing very hard. And they're basically saying, if you give us this, we will pass all those important law, the Metro law, the uh, US uh, visa waiver law, uh, and all these other, there's actually a few other very important laws. And they are saying, all you have to do is give us that date. Now, why are they pushing so hard for that date? Because that date is very important for their block because uh, yeshiva students uh, haven't yet gone back uh, to yeshiva, uh, the ultra-Orthodox yeshivas, uh, yeshivot, um, uh, at that date, because it's still uh, the holiday or the vacation uh, from the Jewish holidays, which will take place mostly uh, in October. So they want to take advantage of that because uh, they feel uh, with, some, uh, with some truth to it that uh, if yeshiva students are on, on vacation, then they're more likely to be involved in campaigns, to get to the streets and obviously to vote. So for them, it's very important that they, uh, they have that date uh, because then their block can uh, be as large as possible and they're holding up uh, hostage all these other laws, which are very important for the country, to ensure that they get the vote out on October the 25th. 
Um, it could be in the end, October 25th will be the date. Probably what's as likely is it will be the date between October 25th and uh, November uh, 11th. And those negotiations are still going on. Um, the fact that it's uh, been put off until tomorrow morning, uh, the, the disposal of Knesset law, uh, is basically uh, just to see if there can be any last minute breakthroughs on, uh, on any of these issues. The idea of an alternate government uh, is pretty much off the table, uh, as it was, I believe, even last week. Uh, uh, Benny Gantz is not coming, Gideon Saar is not coming, uh, so really uh, Netanyahu has no real chance uh, to secure the 61. It, that's not to say that Yeh Lapid isn't getting uneasy, and that's the reason why he wants to push the dispersal of, uh, uh, of Knesset law as soon as possible. Uh, but it does seem uh, that the law uh, are scheduled to be uh, voted at eight o'clock tomorrow morning, which means that Yair Lapid will only become prime minister at 12 o'clock between Thursday night and Friday night. Probably the official ceremony will only take place on Sunday. Um, but there's been quite a lot of drama and uh, we haven't even officially gone to elections yet. So some fascinating weeks and months ahead of us. And with that, I'm happy to answer any questions on these issues or anything else. Thank you so much. We have some good questions coming in. Uh, Carrie Hillebrand asks, with the ongoing development and expansion of the light rail, is the proposed metro really needed in addition? Or would it be worth, and would it be worth the estimated cost and inevitable cost overruns? As I said, I mean, I, I don't know the exact details of it, but anyone who's been to Tel Aviv and its environs recently will know how, you know, it, the traffic is ridiculous, especially on the connecting roads between the cities, the neighborhoods, the towns around them. Um, you know, most modern cities sometimes will have a combination of the light railway and above ground. Um, but again, you know, um, underground systems are extremely important simply because they won't take up any traffic overground you know light railway systems obviously take up quite a lot uh, of the roads take a lot of the traffic some roads will not be able to uh you know will not be able to have cars go on it so i, I don't know exactly um what i do know is also the light railway is only in tel aviv itself i think maybe ramat gun whereas this is is i, I saw a map of it it's it's going to be much much wider really going uh, across that central region, all the way to Ranana, to Kfasaba in the east, I think uh, Netanya in the north, and, and uh, also it goes quite uh, south. Maybe even one day we'll uh, meet up with Mordiin and places like that. So um, no, this is, this, is a, this is probably what has been suggested as the, the biggest infrastructure project in the history of Israel. It won't be completed, they say, uh, before I think 2033 is something that I saw. So it's a it's a 10-year project. It's already on the way. It's already started. So it's not to say that uh, you know the lack of this passage uh, will, will will stop the whole project, but it will make it more expensive, more uh, you know less cost-effective and less time-effective. So it's an important law, um, and we'll have to see you know what can be negotiated in the coming hours to see if it will pass. Thank you. Len Getz, I know you just said that an alternative government is probably off the table, but Len Getz said, uh, I read that Ayelet Shaked said, give me a week and I will form a new government. Does that mean that a new government can be formed without going to elections? I didn't, I didn't hear that uh, recently. It could be she said that uh, a week ago behind closed doors. Um, certainly she was part of uh, negotiations and 
as we as we said many times over previous weeks, that there were a number of Yamina uh, members of Knesset who could conceivably move across. But again, with, even if the whole of Yamina moved across, uh, that would still leave Netanyahu shy of his 61. So he would still need, I, I, I don't know the exact numbers, one or two or three more. And the only likelihoods are within the Blue and White Party led by Benny Gantz or the New Hope Party led by Gidon Saar. So I, I, I never saw, I, I didn't see that it was a, 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 a very likely scenario. It's always a possible scenario. And who knows it? That, you know, one hour is a long time in Israeli politics. So I can't, no, no one can ever say 100% sure. But I think it, it, it was extremely unlikely. There were lots of negotiations going on. Uh, but it was always extremely uh, unlikely, and uh, it just it needs more than a Shaked. And you know, regardless of her powers of persuasion, uh, Benny Gantz said he will not sit under Netanyahu, and Gideon Saar said he will not sit under Netanyahu. So at the moment, the, the numbers are just not there. Thank you. Uh, I know you did talk about this already, and I might have missed your answer, but Eric asks, will Parliament pass the legislation extending the Israeli law to the West Bank settlers, or will it expire at the end of the month? Um, uh, it's, it's almost certain that they will not pass it, but what does happen is with a dispersal of Knesset law, it basically freezes the situation as is uh, until... Uh, after a new government will be formed. So that's that's a way of sort of dealing with it. If the dispersal of Knesset law does pass tomorrow, uh, by 12 o'clock tomorrow night, then it won't become an issue. If they do not, then we could be in a very complicated and complex uh, legal scenario, especially for those, uh, what is it, around half a million uh, Israelis who live uh, over the Green Line and not in Jerusalem. Thank you. Uh, Eric also follows up. If Netanyahu becomes prime minister again, what changes would he make compared to the current government? Well, that's a that's a very broad question. Um, you know, uh, it, it's very it's very difficult to say. First of all, because there are a lot of promises made when someone is in opposition or when it's a campaign time, and whether they realise, you know, we, we've seen in the past that and Netanyahu has promised before at least one of the elections that he will apply Israeli sovereignty. Uh, to um, the territories over the Green Line, Judea and Samaria, the West Bank, which are, are not sovereign Israeli territory. Israel's never applied its sovereignty. But we saw when he came into office that there was no real serious attempt to do so. Um, so, you know, I think we should take a pinch of salt. You know, regardless of what Netanyahu himself and many leaders of the opposition have claimed, there are markedly different policies on a host of issues uh, between the current government and what would be the opposition. On, on issues like religion and state, certainly this government went further uh, than Netanyahu's government would, simply because it needs the ultra-Orthodox um, to maintain stability. Um, but on issues of security, um, I'm not sure that there would be that much different. One could certainly argue, uh, uh, con uh, contrary to what Netanyahu claims, that this government actually fought terror uh, far more robustly than the previous one, uh, there weren't, I think there was one rocket in, the, in a whole year. Uh, the Jerusalem flag um, uh, parade went forward as opposed to the previous year. Uh, they were making arrests of terrorists almost nightly. Uh, they were fighting Iran, as, as Naftali Bennett said, we're not just fighting the tentacles. Naftali Bennett's claim, even, even today in his sort of um, departure speech, said, 
you know, the different policies which I uh, dictated is we didn't just go for the tentacles, the octopus, we went for the head. And there's certainly, uh, you know, you, I'm sure more will come out uh, over the years, but there's certainly already some evidence to, to suggest that that was fought far more robustly. Um, one could argue that this government fought the JCPOA more robustly, perhaps even more successfully. I mean, the, the jury's still out on that, remains to be seen whether uh, there will be a new Iran deal, but don't forget under Netanyahu, um, the JCPOA was signed, even though Netanyahu fought a very hard uh, battle against it, including in the in Congress uh, and around the world, and, and in the end failed um, to, to prevent it. Uh, Bennett took a completely different strategy, and so far um, negotiations are stalled. Uh, economically, the situation in Israel, like in many places around the world, uh, is not great. The cost of living is rising. Um, it's you could argue that uh, in line with many other OECD countries, Israel is doing relatively well economically, but that doesn't matter for the person on the street who just sees that as of tomorrow, the price of uh, gas, petrol will go up significantly, the, the, the cost of electricity will go up, their shopping baskets got, uh, basket has gone up. So, you know, the Israeli public will, will believe anyone who will tell them that this was a disastrous government economically, even though on the macro level, they could show a lot of achievements on the micro level, like many other places in the world, um, your, your wallet is getting thinner and thinner and your bank account is getting smaller and smaller. Um, that's the reality all over the world. But when it comes to elections and campaigns, no one sits there and says, well, it's better in Brazil or worse in Belgium and makes their assessments according to that. You make your assessment according to how you feel. And if someone tells you I'll do a better job, then uh, then you may well believe them. So it's it's very hard to say exactly what uh, a Netanyahu-led go uh, led government will do, a future one. But what we do know is 13 years of Netanyahu-led government. Uh, and on certain issues, there wasn't too much difference. As I said, on, on issues like religion and state, because for the first time in a while, uh, the uh, ultra-Orthodox were not in the government, so there, there, there was quite a, a, a big change. Uh, but on issues like security, on economy, or, on, on even construction, this, this government could argue that it did quite a lot. I'm sure the next government will also try to match that, if not go further. So we'll, we'll hear a lot in the, in the months to come. I do predict, as, as I did uh, last week, that, uh, that these elections will be more about personalities. They'll be more about uh, uh, sort of uh, threats and uh, sort of scaring uh, the other side, the left, the centre-left bloc will be, you know, talking about how Itamar Ben-Gvir will become a minister and you have to save Israel from Itamar Ben-Gvir, whereas the right will use uh, Ahmed Tibi and Mansour Abbas to say we have to save our country from that. So I don't, I, I, sadly for, for the Israeli public, I don't see us really going deep into the, uh, the, the details of policy issues uh, it'll be more personality-based, it'll be more slogan-based, just as it has been. The very divisive elections, I believe, will be uh, ahead of us. Perhaps some of the sting of that will be taken out because of Bennett's decision today. Um, but still, uh, Israeli elections have got uh, more and more divisive because when the numbers are so close, you'll do everything to get a few more thousand votes here or there. Thank you. Stuart brought us. Uh, I states, I've read that the visa waiver proposal of the Biden administration would affect security screening of Palestinians using Ben-Gurion Airport, uh, perhaps degrading safety standards. What are the arguments on both sides of this issue? 
Well, that was one of the things that the Americans talked about. The Israelis uh, certainly, you know, are unabashedly do screen uh, people coming into the country. That's how they do security here. And, you know, there's a pretty good record on security. Um, apparently, I just saw that they may actually even pass the... Uh, the Knesset dispersal law even tonight, I just saw that come up now. So who's, who knows? Um, but on the visa waiver, yes, that, that's certainly one of the issues. The Americans do not want uh, is, uh, American Palestinians or Americans of Palestinian uh, descent to be singled out. Um, um, and, you know, Israel, not that Israel singles them out, but certainly, you know, they do their due diligence and they, and they, 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 they say that they're more careful with them. Uh, I don't think Israel will give up on that for the uh, uh, visa wa waiver, and I think they, they'll find a happy medium on that. Um, so, you know, I can't really say much more than that because, you know, there are negotiations going on, uh, but I'm sure Israel, uh, whichever government it is, whether it's uh, this government or the next government, will not do anything to harm the security of Israel or tourists uh, to Israel. Thank you. And do you believe that the coalition government will concede to the October 25th election date to get the laws passed? Or the, the opposition want the October 25th? Uh, you mean the, will the coalition concede? Um, I guess it all depends how much they want it. You know, at the end of the day, it's a simple equation. Do you want these laws to pass, giving the opposition, uh, you know, a leg up? meaning that they, their block, the supporters of their block will get out in even greater numbers than, than perhaps they would otherwise. Um, it seems if they are going to try and vote on the dispersal law tonight, now they're talking about 12 o'clock tonight, which is an hour and a half away, um, it could be that there is a breakthrough on that date. It could be that uh, those who are pushing the Metro law and some of the other bills are gonna say, at the end of the day, those are more important. So it's a game of chicken at the moment. Whoever blinks first uh, gets what they want. And it depends who wants what they want more uh, and giving the other side uh, a victory, whether it's a victory uh, of achievement or whether it's a victory in uh, ensuring that its block will get, uh, get more of a voter turnout uh, come the elections. Thank you so much. And with that, we've come to the close of our webinar and podcast. Ashley, thank you again for taking time to update us this week. Absolutely. Uh, for our viewers and listeners, please join us Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern for a webinar with Shoshana Johnston discussing Terence Mann at Oberlin College. Thank you all for joining us and I hope you have a wonderful day.